If you don't know, um, as we gather today, we are in a teaching series here. Uh, this Lent, we have um, walked through our hearts, and on the top of page 15, I want to just draw your attention as we kind of just jump right into the conversation today. Uh, I1, introduction one, right at the top of page 15, right? So uh, we have looked at the seven deadly sins. We, in week two, looked at sloth or acedia. Uh, we looked at lust and envy. Last week, we looked at anger. And today, we, we confront the mother, the womb of all of those, which is pride. I too, if you if you want to catch up, you can look at I too gives you some places to catch up. But today's gospel requires a response. Now there's gonna be a response. Either when we hear today's gospel and we ponder this moment, like I don't, I don't know what words come out, like thank you. <laughs> um, let's just start there, right? Or there's no response. Right? It's possible, maybe for some of us here right now, like to read or to hear the gospel that we just heard and, and we're, we're watching it like a movie. And we're, 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 we're disinterested in the movie. It's kind of like watching something historical like the War of 1812 or we're watching the life of Abraham Lincoln. Well, some, somebody died there, right? Oh, he died. And we can, we, can, we can listen to the passion with our hearts disengaged from God. Okay, that is a response, right? And that response, whatever yours is, right, whether you are moved to say thank you or whether, like, you just pay attention right now, you're not really moved at all. Both of those responses indicate two things. They indicate where you are in your relationship with God. And they illustrate a fundamental posture with which we live our lives. The thing about today's gospel is there's nowhere to hide today. The gospel is going to illustrate this right here. And as I invite you into going a little deeper, I want to invite you to two people. The gospel that we just read says that there were two people crucified with Jesus on the bottom of page 15, right? Dismas was the guy on his right. That's the repentant thief. And then the guy on his left is Gestus, and he's the guy who mocked him. He's right here. Dismas is right here. He looks at Jesus and repents. Gestus is right here. Looks at Jesus and mocks him. Which one do you want to be?
page 16. Dismiss. The response of dismiss. Gospel of Luke has a rendition of the passion we read in Luke, and I quote on A1. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus and the criminals there, one on his right, the other on his left. The guy on his right, Dismas, looks at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Dismas. Like he's, he's right here. He's eyeball to eyeball with Jesus. Right here. And in humility, Dismas looks at Jesus and says, Oh my God, I don't, like you may be the Messiah. Like if you're the Messiah, I want into your kingdom. And in a sense, he says, Hey, I'm a sinner, forgive me. Dismiss. There's a response to the passion. And that response is, Jesus, you are God and I am not. Jesus, I, I, I am a sinner and you hold the keys to forgive me. The response to the gospel is to fall on your knees and look at him and say, I'm so sorry. I could, I could go to hell without you. Jesus, like, I know that I don't always get it right. And Jesus, I know that I'm not perfect, but you are. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Like, forgive me. Like, you could see, you could see him. Like, he's right here, he's looking at you. And Jesus is asking for a response. And Dismas says, Lord, forgive me. Now, come with me right here. Imagine you're right here, and you're looking at Jesus at the cross, and he's looking at you. And when Jesus sees you, he sees your heart, and he sees all your sin. You can't pretend it's not there like we are exposed today. Come on, y'all, right? And Jesus says, I'm looking at you, and Dismas looks at all his sin and says, yeah, okay, I have done that, and I believe in your mercy. Forgive me. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because I don't really think it's the real issue. Jesus Christ is the only one who forgives us of our sins. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ is the only one who has the authority to remove from us the iniquity that is ours. Amen? Amen? Jesus Christ, on the night before he died, gave us the Eucharist. Amen? Jesus Christ, the night before he died, established a priesthood. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ said, go to confession to a Catholic priest. And if you don't believe me, I'll stay in church all day for a personal Bible study with you. You cannot, and I'm going to say this authoritatively and absolutely, without apology, you cannot have a critical understanding of the entire Bible, read the New Testament, listen to the words of Jesus, and dismiss 
2,000 years of understanding the Scriptures and say, no, Father Mark, you don't have to go to a Catholic priest for confession. I just confess my sins alone. Raise your hand if you baptize your kid in a sink in the kitchen. Raise your hand if I just gave you some bread. You can consecrate the Eucharist at your house. Raise your hand if you can do that. Nobody in here believes that you can baptize on your own. Nobody believes you're going to consecrate the Eucharist on your own. However, it was only when Martin Luther protested against the church that people just began to believe that you don't have to go to confession to a priest. It's in the Bible. It's in the notes. I'd love to talk to you after Mass. Just, but let me tell you why we don't go to confession. We don't go to confession to a priest because it's hard being humble. Like if we're going to have a big boy and big girl conversation today, let's just be honest, okay? It, it's not that confession's not in here. I, I can show you that. I'd love to do that. The reality is that confession's not in here. Right, because it's hard, it's hard humbling yourself and going to another person and admitting you're a sinner. Amen? Like, I, I don't like going to confession because I have to humble myself. There's not a priest in South Louisiana who doesn't know my voice. Every priest I go to says, oh, it's tubes. And I can pretend, I can pretend like I'm Indian or Filipino and try that accent, right? And it never works. I do what you do. Like, you ever go to confession and try to sneak the priest around, right? You take the big sin and you package it into small sins, hoping that you throw them off. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I had a half a piece of bacon on, on Friday during Lent. I think I ran a stop, size, stop sign like 15 years ago. I killed somebody, and then I uh, didn't pay my taxes on time. Okay, why do we do that? We do that because it's hard going to confession. Amen? Okay, I love you, and you call me a father. And as a father, I am telling you, if you don't go to confession, it's not because you're theologically convinced yourself. It's because we all struggle with the same thing, and that's called humility. Amen? Okay, so here's what I'm asking of dismiss. Go to confession before Easter. Amen? Okay, so if you're dismiss, dismiss is going to go to confession before Easter. I don't care if you go to me. I don't care if you go to a priest uh, anywhere else. I don't care if he speaks English as a first language. I don't, I don't care who you go. Just go to any priest before confession. Their examination of conscience is in the back of church. Lots of stuff online. I'll leave it at that. Imagine what your life would look like if you were dismissed. However, there was another guy on the other side of Jesus. And his name was Gestus, page 17. I would like at this point to have a conversation with two people with your permission. I'd like to have a conversation with Gestus if he is here. 
and I really want to talk to the guy whispering in his ear. If there is a guest that's here, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I want to talk to you. And I want to talk to the guy who's whispering in your ear. Guess this, B1, top of page 17. It says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him and the criminals there, one on his right and the other on his left. And the one on his left, Gestus, reviled Jesus in saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. What a narcissistic, absolutely selfish pseudo-American thing to say. You see, for Gestus, it really was all about Gestus. I repent today because there's a Gestus in me sometimes. B3, how do you know that there's a Gestus in you? Read the bottom of page 17 in silence. B3. How do you know you struggle with pride? How about the first one? I say this with great reverence. But if you're agitated right now, looking at your clock, you're guestus. If you've got something else today that's more important than this conversation, I love you, guestus. If mass has become a box to check on Sunday, and that's, that's really all Jesus is, Hello, Gestus. Third to last, you presume with God, you presume you will be forgiven, so sin doesn't really affect you. You presume everybody gets to heaven, don't they? So morality or the reality of sin doesn't really affect you. Gestus. Here's how you know you're Gestus. You have listened to all the homilies for Lent. You are intrigued. And you're, just, like, you're like, what else you got, Father Mark? C1, top of page 18. Guess this, I'd like to talk to you for a second. Quote, Benedict XVI once said, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives one's life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Being Christian is not about me, Gestus. Being Christian is not about your choice for God, Gestus. Being Christian is about Jesus. And when I meet Jesus and I have an encounter with a person, the person, this event, gives my entire life a new horizon and a decisive direction. And I fear that in the nation that I love dearly, American Christianity has watched Jesus do this, and the best response we have is, well, I'm a good person. 
Like, that's the goal? If Peter walked into church today, he got crucified upside down because of the person. And Peter said, hey, American Christians. And we all stood up and said, yeah, we're good people. Peter would say, I, I do not know who you are. Somebody in the Middle East today is going to die a martyr because they're Christian. And guess this, just wants to be a good person. I mean, he's going to forgive me. And everybody goes to heaven, don't they? C2. Because there's a mole whispering in the ear of Gestus. You see, this is Gestus' ear right here. Right here. This is his ear. And there's a mole whispering in Gestus' ear. And the mole has been whispering to Gestus his whole life. And Gestus has become so familiar with the mole that Gestus doesn't recognize that the mole is there for his destruction. C3. Why didn't Eve run? She didn't, she didn't run. Satan comes up to Eve in the garden. Satan, pure evil. Satan comes up to Eve in the garden, and Eve says, hey. Think about that. It's not the first time she's seen the enemy in the garden. It's the first time they, they had a conversation. But you see, Eve, she's like, oh, he's supposed to be here. That's what the mole does. The mole weaves himself into the garden, just kind of hangs out there, and, and wants Eve to get familiar with him. So when he whispers to Eve, Eve's like, oh, I know you. I'm familiar with your presence. That's what the mole does. And the mole just is right here. The mole, he, li he lives on Gestus' shoulder, and he's whispering all day long. D1, here's the first thing that the mole does. How did we get to, I'm just a good person? Let me tell you how we got there. Put all the cards on the table today. Here's the first thing. Guess this. He gets us all busy. And he's whispering inside the ear of Gestus. The mole says, hey, you can do it all. D1, number one. Accelerate the pace of life through over-busy, especially with good things. Hey, is there anything wrong with working extra hard for your family? No. Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with travel baseball? No. Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with those things. Number two, reposition something that is virtuous, like your job, providing for your family, and remove the end for which it exists so that it becomes both the means and the ends. Oh, did you see that? Gestus just whispers right there. The, the mole whispers to Gestus. 
He whispers to us, right? So now we're overextended. Now work is competing with my family. That's not providing for my family. That's okay. Look at number three. Ha, that's what the weekends are for. Present the weekends as the way out. Okay, I've got some time. But watch the mole. The mole comes in here and now pits mass on Sunday as competing with your family time. Boy, do you catch the brilliance in the seduction? Flip the page over. Let's keep watching the mole. Watch the mole work here. This is how Gestus says, I just want to be a nice guy. Number D2, accelerate and highlight the complexity of life. Hey, don't raise your hand. How many of us know life is, it's only getting more complex? Now, the, the mole, the mole does this. The mole says, God should be your refuge. God should be the place you can rest with all the complications in life. However, now present the Bible as being complicated, right? Life is complicated. Fox is complicated. CNN's complicated. Wherever you side on the Trump indictment this week, it's all complicated, all right? It, it, gender's complicated. Pronouns are complicated. Now, the mole whispers, the Bible's complicated. I mean, come on, Father Mark. The world's changing. Okay, okay, the mole whispers, okay, God's complicated, the Bible's complicated, religion's complicated. So let's throw out, there's 32,000 verses in the Bible. The mole says this, the mole says, it's, it's easy. It's supposed to be easy. Love one another as I love you. Easy. The entire Bible should be summarized in one verse. Love. That's what the mole says. Okay. Keep going with me. D3. This is what the mole does. Take that which is authentically Jesus... The reality that Jesus is love. Now watch this. Replace how he defines love. Put that on the side. And the mole whispers to us. He says, but America says something different. America, I like America's definition of love differently. It's, it's better. It's easy. Right? America says love is tolerance and acceptance. So the mole takes this definition of love, makes it complicated, and says, no, love, listen, they're saying it, listen, love is acceptance and tolerance. Now, once you put that one, whew, that's, that's money right there. Once the mole, the enemy, convinces our nation, oh, that's what love is. Now, the enemy, the mole, and we, we're so familiar with him, right? Now what we can do is we can pit Jesus 
and the Bible against love. That's the mole. Now, now Jesus, he's too complicated for people. And that's how Gestus sits in church today and says, Father, come on, you're killing me. Move it along. That's how Gestus says, I'm a good person. Why do I have to go to confession to a priest? I mean, he loves me. He knows anyway. He's going to forgive me. I mean, everybody goes to heaven. Don't they? And this is what happened in Gestus' life. There was somebody else, the mole, who took Jesus out of the center of his life, put him back over here, and all day long, the whispers of the mole are telling Gestus, no, Gestus, you are the center of your life. You're a good person. And in the end, the LSU game today. And back over here, there's a guy who looked at Gestus and saw the mole right on Gestus's shoulder. And conquered him. Right here. Who do you want to be? You want to be Gestus? Or Dismas? Now, please, God, some of you walked in as Gestus. Or some of you walked in with a bunch of Gestus in you. But you have an opportunity right now to make a definitive choice in your life for the present moment on whether or not you will continue to live like a narcissistic, selfish, self-centered American or whether you will live like Dismas with the courage to say, I believe that you are who you say you are. And I am begging you on behalf of you to stand up today and say, I want to be Dismas. Because in just a few seconds, you are going to stand up. 
And in just a few seconds, you are going to walk forward. In just a few seconds, you are going to come here and you're going to stand before the blessed sacrament, that consecrated piece of bread, and you're going to look Jesus in the eye and I'm going to say the body of Christ because the last time that Jesus said, this is my body, was right here. You're going to Jerusalem today. You might be in Grand Isle, might be looking at a piece of bread, but you're walking toward Jerusalem, and as I say, this is my body, he's saying, here, behold, this is my body, given for you. And if you say amen today, in that moment, please, God, mean it. And you don't have to say it if you're not ready. But let us today have an altar call. Right here at an altar. With a person. Jesus Christ. He's asking you right now. Do you want to be Dismas? Augustus? Do you believe in Jesus? Amen.